If you stacked the new books being published next to each other at the present rate of production, you would have to move at 90 miles an hour just to keep up with the end of the line. Stephen Hawking. With that kind of production rate, if you're a budding author, getting your book out there can be pretty tough. My name is Greg Chapman and welcome to Remarkably You, my podcast that helps authors get their work out there. So once again, everybody, welcome to the Remarkably You podcast. I have Mac Bogart with me today. And Mac's been the founder of AZA Learning, uh, something he founded in 1996, um, to provide a platform for exploring his three passions, <clears throat> language, learning, and leadership. Uh, he lives in Annapolis, Maryland, and serves over 200 clients, would you believe? Uh, around the country and overseas. Uh, 2016, he published the book, Learning Chaos, How Disorder Can Save Education. And you know, we think that this is so much relevant today, so relevant today, this book. Um, he's passionately devoted to learning and has absolute faith in every person's capacity to explore and discover. Uh, his job, uh, he says, is to create a trusting and open context for possibilities. Uh, learning is a default setting for our brains. Uh, we don't have to make people learn, just demolish uh, the barriers that stand in their way. So welcome, Mac. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Greg. Um, it is a pleasure to be here in, in so many ways. Usually I'm on the other end mm -hmm. of the podcast, number one. Yeah, and you number run two, your own podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, and I just started my, uh, my, my third podcast podcast actually okay. um, which is really a pleasure and also it's so cool that that we connected yeah. through virtual reality yeah um, and I don't think I don't think I would have found myself here if it wasn't for the pandemic yes so so right? some good in this pandemic yeah um, I think from a, from a sort of um, from from a learning perspective, yeah. everything and and we know that this is true of um, how our brains work too. Mm -hmm. Everything that comes through our five senses mm -hmm. is processed, right? Right, right. right. Everything. everything, and and you can't fill the brain up. It has. I mean, maybe if we lived to be a thousand, God forbid, we could mm -hmm. fill it up, but you can't fill it up. Right. So this uh, COVID thing yeah. is such, I mean, it is, it is, it is, you know, awful and deadly and mm -hmm. horrible in a whole lot of ways. Yeah. It's also not something we can control. Correct. Right. Generally. Yeah. yeah. But this gives us an opportunity um, to, to kind of reframe yeah. how we see so much in our lives, including how we learn and how we connect and, you know, it's, and I think um, the only thing we can control in this is our responses to it and, um, you know, how we're building our resilience uh, uh, in, this, in this entire pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think we can choose, at least I, I hope I can choose mm -hmm. what, what I do with these data. Yeah. You know, 
what I do with with this this thing that's happening, and from a from from a learning and school perspective, mm -hmm. uh, this is such an opportunity. You know, we have this huge collision of technology. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is, I mean, here we are. I'm talking to you, and you're on the other side of the world. Halfway around the world. That's right. <laughs> Right. Um, we have that piece. We have the clearly, at least in this country, our public school system mm -hmm. has a lot of problems. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, it's, it's just breaking down, I think. And um, yeah. I don't, I don't blame anyone for that. It's just, it's in just fact, an old I, I think I, I really like the way you start your book in that, you know, the, the way our public schools breaking down and you know, I've, I've, I've got my battered Kindle over here. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I just want to bring it to the screen and say, dinosaurs in prison, that's, that's the way you start. I, I kind of really like that, dinosaurs in prison. Uh, and I'm just going to read out the first few lines over here. Uh, cool. It's, it says, um, you know, drive by a medium security prison, take away the razor wire, add a mascot, and what do you have? A public school. So, <clears throat> you know, really nice way to start a book, yeah? Thank you, yeah. my friend. And and uh, kids aren't stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not. We're just we're just tall kids. But kids are not stupid, yeah. and kids know that uh, most schools look like prisons. Yeah, yeah. And and I was just uh, travel. I was just uh, going down by one of the schools in my neighborhood, and you know, I was just running this in my mind. And yeah, I mean, halfway across the world, like you just said, same thing. You just you know, try and uh, take away the. If you just imagine, in this case, a razor wire and stuff, it just looks like a like a prison, and that's pretty scary. And and most schools now. I've worked in uh, two large school systems mm -hmm. here um, in my country, and they were both um, highly rated school systems. <coughs> okay. And they were they were they were run. Too much like prisons. I mean, yeah. the uh, bell rings, all the kids have to get up out of their seats. They all sit in rows. They have to go out the door. They have five minutes or 10 minutes to get to their another cell. Yeah. They all troop yeah. into their cell. Yeah. They all sit down. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's I, I so have, dead. I have Pink Floyd's brick in the wall playing in my head <laughs> as, as, as <laughs> that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I have a nice line there saying, you know what 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 you mentioned is schools reward accumulation and regurgitation it's a line from the book and um, then you also go on to say what's unsurprising today is what would have seemed preposterous just 15 years ago uh, is 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 not anymore and you know that got me wondering uh, you know times are changing undeniably um, uh, I, I was also going across uh, some of the the new the new careers that have emerged uh, the very unconventional careers that have emerged. For example, uh, a video game artist. You know, I've I've got a five-year-old, and you know, I, I'm I'm at the back of him. You know, you're not you're not going to watch video games and uh, screen time's limited and stuff like that. But you've got a very reward a rewarding uh, career over there. Video game artist, video game designer, or producer. Um, and I'm just wondering, yeah, should should schools be preparing for kids for something like this? Uh, is it right? Um, is it even possible? I think um, schools were set up to produce 
obedient workers. Correct. So they were they were they were set up like a factory. So that just like a factory, you bring all these you know diverse things into the front of the factory, and yeah. out the back comes a uniform product. Right. Right. And that won't work anymore. So, so your point about um, the video game designer, I don't think we can we can prepare children mm -hmm. for careers because by the time they're done school, all the careers will have will have morphed. Okay. Right? Okay. Don't, don't prepare for careers. All right. All right. Right. What we what we what we can give our kids mm -hmm. is. Um, ways to open up their capacity yeah. to be a, to to be quick, to yeah. be agile, to um, look for insight rather than just information, because yeah. we can all get information from our pocket. Uh, right. We call them cell phones, but they're really pocket uh, computers, right? Right. right. So right. kids. Uh, that, that's kids an interesting piece because you're saying capacity and not capability. Uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking iceberg over here. And so capability or uh, a video game artist is uh, at the top of the iceberg, something that you can see in the careers that you have today, may not have them tomorrow. I hear you say that you can't prepare them for that or you know, to a limited extent. But what you can prepare them for is um, capacities. Capacities like, uh, you know, how do you learn quicker? How do you ask better questions? Um, how do you, uh, you know, just going back to the title of your book, uh, Learning Chaos. So how can you function uh, in chaos, right? Um, yeah, and uh, we learn, I think, uh, from my experience, plus from the research, um, we learn our most powerful lessons mm -hmm. in times of greatest chaos. Yeah. What's the role right? of chaos in learning? What's the role of chaos in learning? Oh, uh, chaos is the primary fuel for learning mm -hmm. absolutely um, if my if my worldview and and my biases and my assumptions aren't challenged mm -hmm. right I don't have to learn yeah yeah right yeah. so um, seeing chaos not as a threat okay but but as an opportunity mm -hmm. and I'm not I'm not being um, you know we are the world I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm a businessman, right. but seeing chaos always as okay. What can I what can I learn? Uh -huh. How can I use that learning to to push forward rather than push back? Right. Because we have this built-in um, fear mm -hmm. of change. Right. Chaos from, is an opportunity, from, not as a threat. That that's an interesting line, and. Um, I, I was just thinking, chaos before creation. It's it's something I read somewhere. I'm not sure where, but you know that that's how the that's how the universe was created. There's a big bang. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's how we've been settling down after that big bang. And it's and it morphs as as we speak. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not still. Yeah. It's not still. I mean, my my uh, father mm -hmm. grew up in a world where. You know, you got married right out of college. You had, I think it was 2.3 children was the was the sort of average number of children. You like worked, went to work for a company for 35 years. Yeah. Then you got a, you got a nice watch yeah. and you retired and you played golf for the rest of your life. And, and if, if you're in India, that's not 2.3. It would be something like 6.3 or something like that. But yeah. Sure. Oh, 
I'm, I'm please shut up India, just, just so, yeah. I don't know, it's, um, I get it, I get it. Yeah. But I think, I think all the rest of the things remaining in the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah so as, there's a, there's a fundamental part of our brain yeah. which, which sends us false data, I think. Right. And those, those data come from the time when we were hunters and gatherers, but we were also prey animals. Yeah. And what it says is change yeah. might be danger. Absolutely. And that's like big brother brain. That's the bigger part of your brain, which has had, which has had you know, eons to develop. And, and I think the, 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 fr the logical part of the brain has had you know, the prefrontal cortex, I think that's what it's called, has had uh, much yeah. less time to play catch up. Uh, but the problems, <laughs> yeah, the problems that we face today have, you know, overshot um, uh, and, and when, when push comes to shove, I think, I think that larger part of the brain, the reptilian brain, just kind of takes over. Yeah? Um, I, I also like, you know, when you're talking about chaos, what, what, I, what I like about that is that you've not only mentioned, uh, you know, chaos as a psychological construct, you're also connecting it to biology and I think in some way, Biology is a connector, if you may, between psychology and science. You know, so, um, uh, the glial cells, I think, I think that's what oh, yeah. you right? So if you could say a little more on that. Yeah, um, I, I stumbled on a study because uh, um, I love to do research. Mm -hmm. And it was about people who, who lose the use of their dominant hand. Right. Okay, so I'm right-handed, so some I, I lose my arm or I, I damage it, whatever. Yeah. So I have to start to use my non-dominant hand for mm -hmm. you know, brushing my teeth and right. you know uh, eating my food and stuff. Right. And what they've at first got um, through stories is that people said to their doctors, mm -hmm. since I started using my other hand, my short-term memory seems to be improving. <laughs> And it was only anecdotal at that point, yeah. but doctors kept hearing this again and again and again and again. So they studied it. And what they discovered was when we are challenged by new behaviors, mm -hmm. our brain, part of how it responds is structurally, and it creates these glial cells and dendrites and okay, which make more robust connective tissue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we have we see relationships which we might not have been able to see prior because we didn't have the connectors to to to, to show all those things and, and i think and, what this sorry no. uh, so i think what this say, says to me is that uh chaos will have uh, will put you into discomfort you know and it's about embracing that discomfort when you're learning something uh, you, you almost cannot be learning if you're not getting uncomfortable uh, so embracing that and i think even giving yourself permission to get uncomfortable and i i think over time we can we can uh, make the difference between discomfort and pain say more because Right. Um, I think um, in my own experience, too, um, I have mistaken discomfort for pain. Mm. Yeah. And the process of really learning always involves some discomfort. 
Nice. Right. I mean, when you when you uh, when you first start to get into shape, mm-hmm. you know, whatever exercise you do, there's yeah. some discomfort involved in that just because it's new, not because it's bad, yeah. but because it's new. Yeah. So so by bringing more chaos into the classroom, yeah. we can we can help our children start to see that that feeling of discomfort is yeah. just a sign of novelty, right. not of threat. And if there, if there is a, a, a key um, switch in our framework of how we learn, I would say that's the most important part, is to not see that discomfort as a threat, but as an opportunity. As an opportunity, got that. Uh, that's, 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 that's what I'm taking away. Um, in, in your book, you've also talked about a four-part uh, sequence. So you're not, you're not just saying that this is uh, you know, a great team to run by, you're taking it really constructive into a, a construct. Um, which has four parts to it. If, if you just um, tell us a little more about that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> the first part is discovery, yeah. which is, I think, the uh, built-in fuel for the way our, our brain works. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know this. Our brain processes at a subconscious and, and, and unconscious level 24-7. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is, it, and it is fast, and it is, it, it's just extraordinarily powerful. Right. And that part of how our brain works, works best when it's given a lot of challenges. Right. Right. We love to find out stuff and kids are not over challenged. Kids are bored. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, kids are bored. All you have to do is ask them, you know, ask them. Right. So, so that part of their brain doesn't get the kind of exercise that is best. Yeah. Now, they get it when they when they have fun together, when they play out on the playground, when they do video games, but they don't get enough in the classroom. Right. And that part of the brain does not get sufficient exercise by regurgitation. Mm-hmm. Right? It just mm-hmm. it just doesn't. So the the, the uh, second piece, um, and this came from a book called The The Hand. Okay. And the author of that book, Frank Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, suggests that the human ha- the human brain mm-hmm. evolved to deal with the complexity of the human hand. Yeah, and not, not the other not way, around. The way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. which which for me was just a mind blower. Wow. It's a, it's a wow. it's a it's a fabulous book. Wow. So I don't think that that we learn optimally until we get to make something with yeah. whatever the content is. So, no, no. so, so I'm, this, I'm just so, thinking this, this probably for, for find a parallel of this in, in the animal kingdom too, you know. So uh, this giraffe um, uh, didn't have food, so it reached up, 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 and the neck started growing, and the brain also, you know, started at, at, at a much more simplistic way, started grow, started developing uh, to serve the function of the longer neck, the, the longer tongue, the, the reach. So the, the actually the reach uh, developing the brain and then the brain developing the reach. So I see that, you know, you're, 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 what you're saying is the, the, the functions of the hand actually gave rise uh, to the development of the brain. Wow, that's, that's mind-blowing. And I think, um, I think that it's uh, supported by research as well as by experience. For instance, mm-hmm. looking right, right what you and I are, are doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been doing virtual classes for 
almost 15 years, um, only because I was asked to, and I was short of money, so I didn't want to do it, but I said, okay, I will. Right. But that took some reprogramming. Right. Right? Right. Right? Um, I just did a class last week with yeah. 26 people in the class. Right. I never saw, because of their security system, yeah. I never got to see a single face. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable yeah. for me. I, I keep trying to stare into the camera right now into that. Right, room. right. That's that's what I'm right. trying to do right now. So yeah, it is uncomfortable me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, after about three hours, mm -hmm. um, I figured out that what I would do is I would talk to the camera, mm -hmm. yeah. on my computer, yeah. and I would pretend that the camera was a human face. Right. <laughs> that's right now. Um, I know that that's pretend, and I know that my camera is not a human face. Yeah. But suddenly, because I reprogrammed here, yeah. right? Yeah. Suddenly, I was able to make something happen for the people, and not to blow my own horn too much. But I got great feedback from them yeah. about what a what a wonderful session it was, yeah. and I use my ears more and my eyes less. Though I'm a very strong visual learner. So the, part of the payoff was that I I I was a better listener yeah. by the end of, of the class. So so that's the second piece. We have to make something. Yeah. You know? yeah. We have to I just make want to something. go back to the first piece, if I may, the one that you spoke yeah. of discovery. And in, in, in the discovery that you speak of uh, planning versus preparation, right? And and, and what, what I hear you say is that uh, when uh, an educator um, is, 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 is getting into a class, uh, it's good to prepare. I hope I'm not getting it the other way around. It's good to prepare, uh, but not plan. And, and I think by preparation, you're saying the preparation, the preparation needs to be eclectic, uh, you know, related topics or unrelated topics and see how you're connecting the dots, right? But, but not having definite agendas with which you're going into the in, into the class, I kind of got that. I I think we're on the same page, Greg. Yeah. Um, most of my clients mm -hmm. have to have an agenda right. at the beginning of the class. Right. Um, I I have some clients who I've worked with for a long, long time who right. who don't even bother to right. to ask me for one. And after I show the class the this piece of paper with a list. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, we don't have to pay attention to that anymore because we're going we're gonna to go mm -hmm. where our thinking takes us, not where the list comes from. Now, we still cover everything, sure. right? We still cover it, but that's what I mean by preparation. For instance, you and I are, are having a wonderful conversation, mm -hmm. which is going out and then coming back, right? Yeah. It yeah. goes out and then comes back. Right. And I think that's that's the way we learn best. I don't think we, I don't think our brain prefers to learn from A to B to C to D. Yeah. So right? is this similar to process work or the T groups or human labs? Um, that where, where where you know there is a very broad agenda that right. people are coming in there for discovery, self discovery, self awareness, breaking their own patterns. Um, but then. You know, the facilitators just let, using whatever emerges and using that to take the session forward. Uh, does this have a, you know, have some intersection with that? 
Um, absolutely. Because it's, from my perspective, you know, with, with my strange brain, that's the way chaos powers our thinking. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm a great, um, I love data. I love research. I was a math major. Um, I love trigonometry. I'm a sailor. Right. So I love to plot a course, you know, and I, um, and all that stuff. I, I get the utility of that, mm -hmm. but that in and of itself is not learning. That's you just, that's just one of the pieces. You think let it emerge, let the aha moment emerge, let the epiphany emerge, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and I had this question saying that it's going to two, two forms of learning. One is the unstructured and one is the structured. Um, I think the I, I I I think the whole stream of Kolb and you know his whole five cycles of four four five yeah of, of learning and the different kinds of learners and stuff like that so that's what I have in mind when I'm saying structured learning you go from a feeling you go to an exper experience etc cetera, etc cetera, you know so now if you're talking about structured learning the old school way the, the, the way it's normally done with the agenda and stuff even in that um, is there a way to design for the aha, to structure the aha, it, or is that too preposterous? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's preposterous at all. Now, I think you can design for it, mm -hmm. but I don't know that you can structure for it. But what you can do, and, and I have, I've seen this done, mm -hmm. is you can, you can look at every structure in your learning place, in your mm -hmm. school, in your classroom, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can ask the same question of everything you do. Mm -hmm. Does this make an open place for, for people to, to move around and explore? Mm -hmm. Or does it place a barrier in that movement of the brain? Mm -hmm. And if it places a barrier, then it's got to go. Then it's got to go. Okay? Yeah. It's got to go. Now, I have to take role, yeah. right? I have to prove that people attended the class. I get that. Yeah. But that's you know see what i mean um for instance I, I don't know how you do it in your schools but why do we segregate kids in schools by a age group mm. yeah what does that add yeah. nothing okay. right yeah. nothing and, and it would be so wonderful to have to have a space and i'm not calling it a classroom but a space where you you know, we're talking about diversity over here. You know, that's, that's the yeah. theme of the hour, I guess. And it would be great to have a space where you had, uh, uh, you know, diverse groups of children interacting with each other, maybe. And, and, and one piece could be age um, or subjects and, you know, all interacting with each other at the same time and, and, and letting, letting groups self-evolve uh, and, you know, self-forming groups. That, that would be really interesting. Um, and um, I think, yeah, it, um, it's in the book. My stepson went to what's called a Sudbury school. Okay. And, yeah, and they have no grades, no grade levels, no teachers, no classrooms. It's kids wow. age five to 19. Wow. The, the kids run the school. Mm -hmm. The kids, wow. they, uh, the kids pay the bills and they take care of the grounds and um, they just do the entire thing. And wow. it's this astonishing place wow. when you when you when you drive up to one of their schools mm -hmm. the, uh, the first thought that you will get is god i wish i could have gone here 
<laughs> because all the kids are working with each other, they're teaching each other, wow. they're they're building partnerships in order to figure out how to make a pizza from scratch. Yeah. They're um, they're they're working on their own computer programming because they want to do a project, but they couldn't find a program that works. So they all work together to make a new program. I mean, it's this extraordinary fountain of 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 kids all excited working together um going like this you know banging into each other as they as they're exploring it's it's just an amazing and every school could be more like that and i'm just thinking if i take this if i if i pay this forward a little bit you know today in in the workspace um in in the corporate world corporate america corporate india uh, there's this whole drive around diversity and inclusion yeah um but if we started diversity and inclusion in this kind of fashion, you know, from, you know, formative years, you wouldn't have to teach them diversity and inclusion. It would, it would just be part and parcel of them. No, because they'd be, they, they wouldn't know that there was any other possibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your second piece assembly, you call it. Uh, and I just picked up a line from there saying the brain is a metaphor for thought, the heart, is a metaphor for emotion, and the hand is a metaphor for assembly. And uh, that, that kind of summarized, uh, or rather that, I don't say summarized, that, that, that was good, a good topical sentence for the second part of, the second phase of your construct, assembly. Yeah, per no, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. We need to build, we need to make, we need to see what we did. Yeah. Not, not, just, not just write, not just type, yeah. But we need to make, um, I worked as a carpenter for um, some wow. years and I still love to do that. That's the perfect place, you know, have our kids, kids all do projects, have, right. have all learning focused on a project, yeah. a tangible project, mm. right? Yeah. Because that's what, that's what gets our juices flowing. Well, it, could be a stupid, it could be a stupid project or, you know, or not stupid, but it could be a very simple or fantastic project. Like, you know, after reading a book, I went to YouTube and I was seeing, you know, what all you can do with a bunch of match, with a bunch of matches, right? And yeah. you stick it into somewhere and make it light and see what, see what happens. Uh, something goes forward. Yeah. You've got, you've got some laws of physics playing out there. So uh, I, I remember this guy, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, the Dirty Jobs guy. I, um, okay. and I, was, I think on Discovery it used to play. So um, uh, 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 he, he would go and, you know, film basically the dirtiest jobs or the scariest jobs, or the weirdest jobs on the planet. You know, he, he'd, he'd go and, you know, chest deep in a sewer with the sewer cleaner and uh, or roadkill picker uppers. You know, he, he'd go with them. And what he says is, uh, you know, they're some of the happiest people, most anchored people in life. And they're whistling as, as, as they're cleaning up the, road, the, you know, the roadkill. Uh, uh, and, and I feel at some level there's, we, we've declared war and work, you know. Um, doing jobs with the hands is not, is, not, is not the cool thing, you know, for, for a lot of us. And these are the same people who, in their spare time, yeah. do something that involves their hands. Yeah. You know, they, they do carpentry, or they play golf, or they knit, or they, you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't wait to, 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 to get touched and yeah. to be in touch with with something 
And I think that's that's part of where our schools miss the boat is yeah. just just as you just said, they have this false concept that somehow working with your hands is not only different than working with your brain, but it's less. Yeah. And that's just that's just phony. You know, and and I think there's a there's a deeper dimension to this. Uh, if I were to just move across from the West to the East, as in India, um, the Buddha, you know, uh, in one of his doctrines, he talked of the different levels of learning. And, uh, you know, three or four levels. Uh, and, and, and the highest level of learning, what he called was uh, Bhavna Maya Panya. Um, yes, Bhavna Maya Panya, which, where he says, you know, there are different ways of learning. We can learn from somebody else. We can read about somebody else. Uh, we can learn from another person's stories. Uh, we can have a mentor come and teach us. And these are all good forms of learning. Uh, but, but Bhavna means feeling, uh, loose, loosely translated into English. It means feeling. So uh, creating experiences and feelings uh, from which of our own, from which we can learn. And, and I see this piece of you know, working with your hands and creating something of our own and using that experience um, uh, 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 to learn and, 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 and to come up with something. Absolutely, absolutely. Learning is, is, is huge. You know, I mean, learning brings in the, in, in the right place, in the right context, which, which you had mentioned earlier, brings everything we have to the front yeah. and it's it's um it's 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 exciting it's chaotic as, as it needs to be we don't need to control it we don't need to control learning yeah. we need to get the stuff out of the way as, as as i said we need to get anything out of the way that stands in the way of that kind of sense of wonder right yeah absolutely and i think one of the ways that you've spoken of doing this is by questioning stuff, uh, is by what you call in the book, I, um, and, 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 and that term really hit me like, you know, a ton of bricks, skepticism. So uh, I would never have thought, and I think this is a third part of your, um, of yep. your construct, right? I, I, I would never have thought of, skepticism should, should be part and parcel of learning, but um, you, you, you're going to say that skepticism is a big part of learning. And and skepticism is very different from cynicism. Uh, yeah. uh, very, very different. Uh, okay. um, I can be a cynic, but I don't have to be a skeptic or vice versa. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, cynicism is, is a, a place to hide from our own, our own disappointments. Okay. I saw one of my favorite bumper stickers some years ago, which is what started this, this chapter in the book. Mm -hmm. And the bumper sticker said, don't, don't believe everything you think. Mm. Don't believe everything you think. Okay. Okay. So a, a real healthy skeptici skepticism drives me mm -hmm. to ask more questions Absolutely. and never be satisfied with a simple response. I really like how you say, you know, uh, what's an indicator that you need to be a skeptic. And, and I like this way that you've taken it down to like an action, like a question. Um, so what I hear you say, it's important to be a skeptic. It's important to question uh, as a method of discovery. 
um, as a method of challenging and coming up with um, uh, with new realities. Um, yeah. We we most of us we don't know what we don't know. I mean, I mean, look at the times that we're in. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, so so this is a, as a good method of questioning. And, and and what I like about this is you said the equal to sign. You know. Uh, the, so whenever you come up against an equal to sign, you know, that's, that's an indicator that you want to be a, 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 a skeptic. You want, you want to introduce a little bit of your skeptical side to that, right? Yeah, like um, anything that has, you mentioned diversity before. Mm -hmm. So anytime I hear the formula that says um, all women do act that way, yeah. that's that equal sign. Yeah. Or you know how young people are. Yeah. Or well, since you're since you're older, yeah. you're not curious anymore. That's that um, deadly equal sign. Yeah. That says A always equals B, and that's yeah. where skepticism needs yeah. to make me go. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Faster is better. You know. Ah. Equal faster equals better. You know. So equal right. sign there. Why? Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or bigger is better. Or bigger is better. Yeah. yeah so, uh, what's what's turned on the world on its head is is not a big fat missile. It's it's something you, you need you need a microscope to see with. So, bigger yeah. is not, not, not normally better. Yeah. And I'm saying skepticism um, is also a, a, a method of. Um, finding new paths and new truths right yeah absolutely absolutely and there are there are there are more of those which we don't see i think mm -hmm. than there are which we do see yeah because i think of uh, two things one is and this goes back to schools mm -hmm. is we are taught again and again and again that mm -hmm. what you're looking for is the correct answer yeah Right. Today, there are no absolute truths, you know. Um, the sun does not rise in the east, you know, something as fundamental as that. Or um, it, when just before the, the virus outbreak, so when you go shopping and if you're buying, if, if you're buying some apparel and, you know, it's happened right. to me that you take it and you see it under one kind of a light and it looks green. And when you go home, it's, it's, it's slightly brown. Um, so, so uh, even even the color, there's no there's no absolute truths, and I think, um, you know, should should we? So, for example, should we um, short circuit the vaccine formation formation process or not? Um, there is no absolute truth. Yeah, hindsight is good, uh, but I I think there's no absolute truth right now, and I think they're only subjective ones. And um, sure. Yeah, I feel respecting the subjective ones and maybe maybe even a normative truth, but I, I think we need to be skeptical about the absolute truths that we're taught and presented with. It, one of the ways, because I'm such a strong visual learner, one of the, one of the ways I did I, uh, one, one of the tricks I use for that yeah. is I use a Venn diagram, right? Uh -huh. Two uh -huh. overlapping circles. Uh -huh. And for instance, if I were to do one for Greg and Mac, right. um, on one side, it'd be Greg's stuff. Okay. On the other side, it's Mac's stuff. Yeah. But in the center, in the overlap, is stuff that you and I can agree on. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Right. 
And we need to keep those three sectors healthy and not yeah. see one as more important than the, than other. the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? That's a great example of inclusion. Yeah. 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 Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, 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 the last part of the book yeah. Um, yeah. is fluidity. Right. And, and, and basically, the concept is that we need to learn without boundaries. Mm -hmm. We need to uh, not need, we don't need so much to, to organize learning by disciplines. Mm -hmm. I mean, schools, schools have a social studies department, an English department, a physics department, right? A chemistry department. And I think we need to look more for all the connectors Mm -hmm. that 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 bring them into the same realm yeah so yeah. we need we need to be more 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 fluid yeah. and not see for instance third graders as different than sixth graders mm -hmm. or physics as different than english yeah. or see what i mean yeah yeah look look for the overlaps as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 when you say connectors then also when i'm looking at careers uh you know, uh, if I want to specialize, I, I, I think today's day and age, specialization has taken on a slight different hue. So if I want to special, if I want to be the LeBron James, right, then I, I got to be that 0.001 percentile of the population to make, make it financially viable for myself, right? Uh, if I'm that talented, great. But for the large part of humanity, that is not. Um, I, I think what you're offering is 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 a damn good solution to that because you're saying look for the connectors so how if i have a degree in physics and if i have a degree in law how can i connect the two how can these two come together and if i'm if this is instilled within me at you know at, 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 in my formative years then looking for these connections in this you know very dynamic world um is something that could keep me you know, fulfilled ahead of the times, in touch with the times, uh, and, uh, you know, make it financially viable for us. Absolutely. And that um, thinking in, in that framework mm -hmm. also breaks down um, intolerance. Intolerance, that's right. That's right. Right? Yeah. Because, because rather than just saying, well, Greg has darker skin than I do, mm -hmm. so we can't agree or uh, Greg is younger than I do, yeah. or, you know, Greg, Greg does his podcasting differently. Mm -hmm. You know, we can always look for mm -hmm. just enough congruence mm -hmm. to, to, so that, so that, so that you don't just vibrate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, so that we can move forward. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you don't lose anything and I don't lose anything right. by finding that. So, you know, it isn't like, it isn't like I have to s surrender my identity yeah. in order to find connectors with people who are very much unlike me. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, the best of the best are doing it um, as in, in a bad way. Uh, so, so you have scientists and if you take, if you take a mathematician and you take a psychologist, they're all, they always go at loggerheads, you know, but the mathematician or the physicist, she or he believes that psychology is just, we don't get it. And yeah. what's below psychology is social sciences, right? So 
Uh, and these guys are saying, hey, you know what, science, I mean, you're, you're, you're always stonewalling and even Einstein's wrong in so many ways. Uh, so I, yeah, I, th I think a, a healthy respect for each other and these different subjective truths coming up to form something new. Uh, although Mac, in, in, in um, the fluidity part, you're saying no pain, no gain, right? Uh, that's, you're saying we need to question that. And uh, the, the, old, uh, the old mantra of, if you have to make an omelet, you've got to break some eggs. So, you know, for me, it's, it's always been that. that. This is something, personally, I always resonated with. If you've got to, break, if you've got to make an omelet, you've got to break some eggs. But you're saying, not necessarily. So, how, how do you resolve it? How do you take that problem? Yeah. Um, any, any bromide... Yeah. that we have, like mm -hmm. no pain, no gain. I mean, that's where the skepticism comes in, mm -hmm. okay? Um, because whenever, whenever I find myself mm -hmm. um, buying into mm -hmm. any framework that, that puts, puts a box mm -hmm. around possibility, mm -hmm. then I have to question that framework because mm -hmm. as soon as I only operate within the framework, mm -hmm. then I cannot be fluid. Mm -hmm. In, in how I think, mm. I can't be fluid anymore. And when we, when we question a common, common, common wisdom, uh -huh. that's when we bring chaos into our own universe. And in that chaos is where we find discovery and assembly and skepticism and fluidity. Yeah. I mean, I was I was told things when I was young by mm. my parents. God bless them. Which turned out to not be useful. Yeah. Right? And it isn't because they were bad or wrong. It's because that's all they knew. Because and I think like you were talking about the Venn, Venn diagram. So you had your parents in one diagram, you here. And then there's some overlap. So there's some part of what they said was right. A lot of us keep looking at the other part and say, hey, our folks are wrong. And there's always a pointing and blaming finger at them. And I think what I heard you say is also a lot of respect, a lot of mutual you know respect for uh their side of it and our side of it and, and reality was shaping us. we're drawing to a close mac and you know i i uh, had uh, you know a, a round what i call the speed dating question uh you know, yeah so we, we you know it's like a speed chess or speed dating um i'm just going to fire some questions away and then very quickly if you can i've got about four or five of them um okay very quickly if you just uh you know respond to it. So one, uh, what's your process of writing? How do you go about writing? You've done a fantastic book. Uh, broadly, what's the process of writing? How do you do your research? Uh, do you, I'm just bunging two questions together. How do you do your writing? How do you do your research? Um, I, 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 I start with a single insight. Mm -hmm. um, something will just come across, you know, I'll, I'll find it or it'll show up in my life mm -hmm. and I will write it down. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a whole list okay. and then, then I go back to it and I go wherever that insight leads me. Okay. That's all. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have an outline. I don't have a storyboard. It's the same way that I play the guitar. Mm -hmm. I go, I go where my fingers lead me Fair enough. and, and that seems to work. That seems to work. Now this is the remarkably you podcast. Um, I interview people from all over the world. And, uh, and now 
you know, the way you write, uh, I'm just going to say it once again, I was really blown away with that. Um, for somebody who has English as a second language, you know, um, uh, how do they make it up? Because if, if you've got a book out there and you're competing against the best and the New York bestseller list and stuff like that, so how does one who has English as a second language really up their writing skills, their English skills and gets up there? I think that that there are some simple rules to writing. Okay? Um, number one, don't use adjectives and adverbs, use nouns and verbs. Yeah. Okay? Shorter is always better. That's strunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Short is strong. Short yeah. is strong. Yeah. And um, never edit your own work. Okay, okay. Never edit your own work. You want other people to read it. And finally, for me, what works is when I write, I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I write, I want it to be like lines in a play. I want right. people to, to hear the words in their head mm -hmm. as they read. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, all, it's, it's more like speech right. than composition. Got it. Uh, if you're teaching a course on how to facilitate an online class, you, you mentioned that you've been doing it for 15 years. Um, what are some things that we should watch out for as an educator, as a facilitator? Um, don't mistake the um, tools mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. as power. Don't mistake the tools of this as power. Okay. Okay. Because the uh, same thing that I absolutely believe about learning in general is that learning, learning thrives when you trust in everybody to to have the same goal which is one which is which is to learn to be engaged mm -hmm. and to be excited mm -hmm. so don't don't think that this platform just like you and i are using should mm -hmm. should control where they go got it got it uh, that that was really nice uh and now now to my final uh, section I'm just going to read out three or four lines from your book that you know really stood out for me. I'm going to do that quickly, um, uh, just just you know to give uh, to give uh, your pos possible readers a little flavor of what they're in for. Uh, so <laughs> one of the first pieces that stood out for me is authority is the antidote to the risk of uncontrolled curiosity. Yeah. Uh, second one, teaching takes less courage than allowing learning. I want to truly bloom away. Um, we find a new respect for clarity of thought rather than absolutes of position. Uh, lastly, as long as we're clear about the words we use when we speak, we can practice learning. And I love this. We can practice learning rather than winning. Uh, Mac, it's been really wonderful having you on this podcast and uh, all the best for you in these times. Uh, with educating people. I know you're doing a lot of good work uh, with your podcast and stay safe, Mac. Thank you, Greg. You too, brother. Okay. Okay. I'll talk, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.